1: evening and welcome to another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. I'm your host Hank and Dichter. We got a lot to, di- to digest and talk about this week with regards to baseball as usual but before we get into that any of that I'd like to give you a quick reminder. Please give us a follow on all of our social media and in addition give us a subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview and Sports and let's get right down into it. We got a lot of big things to talk about and Before I get into the big news of baseball, I'd like to start off by wishing a happy 90th birthday to baseball legend Willie Mays. The Say Hey Kid, as he was called, had one of the greatest careers of all time. Many consider him to be the greatest baseball player ever. He holds the record for most all-star appearances with 24, finished with a career batting average of .302, 660 home runs, and 1,903 RBIs. And... I'll tell you a fun fact. He's actually one of two Hall of Famers to have a Rookie of the Year award, a batting title, numerous All Star appearances, an MVP award, and a World Series ring, as he won that World Series in 1954, which actually provided the most iconic moment of his career. That was the game, the series in which he made that famous over the shoulder catch. He robbed Cleveland Indians batter Vic Wirtz of what would have been a sure RBI double, at least two runs he saved on that catch alone and it pretty much helped the Giants to win that world series. And as I said, he was extremely skilled. He could steal bases. He hit for average consistently, very good home run hitter. He actually had a four home run game once in 1961 and not to mention he just, he did everything 22 year career. And considering his most iconic moment was with New York when the Giants were still there, it's only fitting that despite, being associated with the Giants for so long that he finished out his career in two years with the Mets. He even, he even was on the team that made the 1973 World Series that ultimately lost in seven to the Oakland A's. However, and as as I said, not too many players have, have more home runs than Willie Mays. However, one of them also made big news today, and that was Albert Pujols. The LA Angels have ended up releasing Albert Pujols from that 10-year contract and you know we can say what we want about the 10-year contract was it successful for them in the grand scheme of things not really I mean he did have some flashes of greatness left when he was still with the Angels he still had some stuff left in the tank but ultimately he his numbers had a steady decline like if, if you look at them the last few years he was in the he went from hitting the 200s to 220 and unfortunately this year at the time of his release he had a batting average of 198 with five home runs and 12 rbis and well you know the angels were within their rights to do this i mean they have they have jared walsh at first base and you have other guys who can play first base right now too it's obviously a sad day because he is one of the greatest baseball players that has ever stepped on the field in my lifetime i mean When I think of him, I think of that insane stretch that he had with the St. Louis Cardinals. 11 years, he was consistently hitting 300. He had 35 home runs and well over 100 RBIs. His worst year with the Cardinals, he hit 299. Think about it. His worst year. Unreal. This is a guy who is obviously going into the Hall of Fame. It goes without saying. And... Before we get into our guest, get to our special guest who will appear very, very soon, I will, let's do a recap of how the Mets did this week. And we have a few comments. First of all, Paul Lombardi says, greatest all-around player ever. I'm assuming you're talking about Willie Mays. And yeah, I would really tend to agree. I think he definitely, he was capable of doing so many things on the field. It's, it's hard to argue that. And Ben Cruz, a Hank, Maze is a sure legend, definitely an inspiration as a baseball fan. Yeah, I agree. It's easy to see why so many people who watched him back in the day have very fond memories of him. But anyways, back to the Mets. The Mets, again, they've had an up-and-down... Their up-and-down play has continued this week. And this weekend, they had a series of the Phillies. And the first game... You had an interesting series of events happen. The Phillies got their only runs in this game when pitcher Chase Anderson struck out, but unfortunately catcher James McCann did not hold on to the ball and he couldn't throw the guy out. Actually, he made an errant throw. It allowed two runs to score. It was actually the first time that happened in a game in Philadelphia Phillies history since 1961, fun fact. And the Mets, I think, I don't remember how they got their run. I think it was either RBI single RBA singer or ground out, but if that had been the extent of what happened in the first game of that series, then I think we would have just thought of it as another boring game between two rivals. However, the the big thing that happened was in the eighth inning. Jeff McNeil was hit by a pitch by Jose Alvarado. And then two batters later, Alvarado would strike out Don Smith, the end of the inning, but then Alvarado got a little too excited and emotional. He was celebrating pretty excessively. And it led to a lot of the Mets running out of the dugout and, had a bit of a confrontation. And keep in mind, this guy Alvarado has had a pretty big history with the Mets. He threw at Conforto back in April, and that was the game where Dom Smith yelled yelled at him from the dugout. And safe to say, the Mets and the Phillies, there's really not a lot of love lost between those two, and there never really has been. Game two, another interesting one. The Mets had an early four to nothing lead in the first inning, but the Phillies would soon score two in the second to cut it. And then Alec Bohm tied it in the sixth inning with a two-run home run. Mets, though, would win that game. In the ninth inning, Michael Conforto hit a solo home run. And, of course, Edwin Diaz would nail down the save, giving them the 5-4 win. But, obviously, the big game in that series was game three. They were down two to one in the bottom of the sixth. Didi Gregorius hit a big three-run home run to give the Phillies – or the Phillies, rather, were down two to one. Didi hit a three-run home run to give them the lead. But then, where things got interesting was in the top of the eighth. Kevin Pillar would lead off with a solo home run, and three batters in and out later, you had Jonathan Villar on first base. Jose Peraza hit a line drive single that Reese Hoskins knocked down, and Villar and Villar caught him napping. He was like he let the ball go, didn't really think much was going to go on, but he was running on the pitch. He was already at second. Then he went to third as Hoskins didn't really pick up the ball with a sense of urgency and. He decided he was going to just take off for home after stopping briefly. It's third, And luckily he was safe and that tied the game. And I got to say, I think this was the real turning point of the Sunday night baseball game. I think if, you know, if Hoskins catches that line drive, because this was a hard hit ball, VR's out because remember he was running on the pitch. He was attempting to steal second and it would have been a big rally ki- killer. I don't think the Mets win that game, and they certainly don't score as many runs as they do because immediately after Jose Alvarado came in, gave him a single to McNeil, and he clearly could not find the strike zone. He walked Francisco Lindor, and then he walked Michael Conforto. Bases were loaded. He was clearly wild. Pete Alonso would come up, and he had a bases-clearing double, gave the Mets an 8-4 to lead, but in the ninth inning, Philadelphia would attempt a furious comeback. Roman Quinn tripled home Didi Gregorius with two outs, and with runners at the corners, Reese Hoskins hit a ball that looked to be a game-tying home run. It was going high. It hit the top of the railing in right field at Citizens Bank Park, but it bounced right back on, and it prevented the game from being tied because it looked like a home run at first, but then, obviously, the umpires had to replay it, and then the first the guy in first and third were able to score, but because the ball just hit the fence and bounced right back onto the field. The Mets were the Phillies did not tie the game, but they still had the tying run on second base. Bryce Harper up to the plate. He strikes out and the Mets, they survive by a hair, basically. And going into St. Louis, you know, Mets took an early five to two lead in game one, but then Nolan Arenado tied it with three on home run and, the Cards would shortly take the lead thereafter with Darby I double from Tyler O'Neill. Mets ultimately did not recover from this game, losing six five. But the real interesting things happened the next day because game two it it rained out. They had to move to Wednesday, so they would be playing a doubleheader. Jacob Degrom was supposed to start that game, but unfortunately, due to tightness in his side, he had they had to pull him from the start in game one of said doubleheader, the Cardinals would win four to one on home runs from Paul Goldschmidt and Paul DeJong. And then the Mets, this game really spoke speaks for how deep they are lineup wise, because the guys who got a lot of hits in this game were the backups. Tomas Nito and Jonathan Delar homered. Kevin Pillar had a pair of hits in RBIs as well. They would get the win. And the Mets ended up splitting the series today. They got a four to one win today. But the real interesting turn of events ha- that happened in this series was the, the firing of hitting coach Chili Davis. And actually it was Chili Davis and assistant hitting coach Tom Slater who were fired, but K- Quattlebaum and Howard were named as the, the new hitting coach and assistants. And there's a lot to really digest about the change in hitting coaches. Like I think it was definitely a way to shake up the Mets as it is right now, because, the way they were hitting coming into the series, it wasn't great. Like, the the average was pretty low. So I think, obviously, some of it may have had to do with the slump that Francisco Lindor had. His batting average this season has been 154. And you look at the way the Mets are, and when you look at their lineup, this is a team that has clearly been underachieving. Like, when you have Lindor, Conforto, Nimmo, McNeil, and Pete Alonso, to name a few, in that lineup— they should be doing more than their hitting should be a lot better. And they should definitely be a lot better than 13 and 13. But obviously the Mets needed a change. And, you know, firing assistant coaches in the middle of the season isn't really something that's unheard of. George, As Yankee fans, we know that George Steinbrenner had it a habit of doing this. And in fact, one of the, the closest example of this happening in Mets history was in 1999. In early June, the Mets were a game under 500 they were pretty close they were like pretty close to having their season spin out of control early in june and so they fired their pitching coach the bullpen coach and the hitting coach at that time and that was seen as like a warning sign for bobby valentine saying if you don't get your guys ready if you guys aren't doing well then obviously things need to shape up and given what just happened It's possible that the firing of Chili Davis may have been a warning sign, not just to the players, but Luis Rojas, because as I said, this is a talented Mets team, and I'm on record saying that this is one of the more talented Mets teams on paper in quite a while. But as it turned out in 99, that team ended up winning 97 games after that. They went to the playoffs as a wild card, they beat the Reds in the one-game playoff, and then... In the division series, they would beat the Arizona Diamondbacks. Todd Pratt had a walk-off home run. And then in the NLCS, they would take the Braves to six games. And that's the series that's most famous for Robin Ventura hitting the Grand Slam single. And not to mention, you had Kenny Rogers walking home the winning run in game six. But I digress. Back to the current net team. I think it's, it's like that one. It's a warning sign to both managers saying, you got to get your guys to start performing. You guys need to do better. And I think, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond to this. Cause from what I understand, Chili Davis was one of the more powerful guys in the locker room and somebody who I think a lot of the players really liked. So I, I think the Mets really should respond well to this and how they do remains to be seen. And now, obviously with that being said, it is time to get into the Yankees and Without further ado, let's bring on our guest for today, one of my good friends from Sacred Heart and fellow Yankee fan, Ryan Toohey. How's it going, my friends?
0: Hey, Hank, thanks for having me. Long time no see.
1: I know, it's been ages. And, you know, I gotta say, this has been quite a weekend for the Yankees. You know, they've had that they had that big series against Detroit where they slept. And, yeah, you know, coming into that series, they really needed that because the Baltimore Orioles split was pretty disappointing.
0: Yeah, the Yankees were really struggling prior to the Detroit series. They were just having a hard time getting into any sort of groove, mostly offensively. Um, Prior to the Baltimore series, obviously they took three or four from Cleveland. So you were thinking, okay, we take three or four from the Indians. That's a good sign. Maybe things are starting to turn around. And then only managing a split with Baltimore, you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, here we go again. Here comes more, you know, what now, not knowing exactly what to expect. Then the sweep in Detroit, especially after Friday night when they won very easily ten to nothing, they really needed that win to really you know ignite a spark in themselves and try and get back on track. And luckily, so far they in, on this home stand they've done that. You know they've taken five of the first six games of this nine game home stand. And yeah, we'll see how how it goes. You know this weekend when the uh, Nationals come to town, they took two or three obviously from Houston. Pretty good. Obviously, we would have loved yeah. the sweep. But um, but yeah.
1: But let's let's talk a little bit about the Tigers here. So
0: hmm?
1: after after Friday, we had that game where the Yankees almost came back. Glaber Torres hit a clutch RBI double. They lost an extra extra innings on the Cedric Mullins walk off sacrifice fly. Yeah. They returned home. Aaron Judge returned after a few days off. Now this is a game I obviously didn't really get to see much of. It was on Thursday. We had the draft night, but he hit two home runs that day in a grand slam and. As you would expect, Garrett Cole pretty much struck out twelve. The Yankees absolutely dominated this game. And now, granted, of course, we can talk about how it's against the Tigers, and the Tigers are a last place team. But still, uh-huh. you have the teams in front of you. You you're, you you got to beat them when you're supposed to. I think Garrett Cole is definitely the most essential member of the pitching staff by far. What what would how what would what are your, what's your overall thoughts on Garrett Cole? By the
0: way. I mean, I would think he's probably been, I mean, you can make the argument that he's been maybe even the team MVP with the way that he's pitched so far this year. And he really has been the most consistent pitcher, obviously. He really hasn't had one bad start this year. I mean, he, he really has been everything that the Yankees could wish for. He consistently strikes out up to 10 batters a game. And like you had mentioned, he struck out 12 in the Friday game against Detroit. He always gives. Whenever he goes out on the mound, he always gives your team a chance to win. And you always got to feel good about it. And he, you can all obviously see the passion in his face when he's on the mound. And when he comes yeah. in the dugout, we all know he's a perfectionist. So every time he takes the mound, you really feel good about your chances of winning the game. And like I said, I really think he's been the team MVP this year just because if you – it goes back even to the you know opening day when he started against Toronto, you know, even though he didn't get a decision and then because the Yankees um you know end up falling to fall the Blue Jays on opening day. But really from day one, he really has, you know, been the most consistent Yankee, I'd say. And he's definitely been our best pitcher, there's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think Garrett Cole, you could definitely make a good case for being the MVP. I mean, if the if the Yankees didn't have him I would make the case that they might be even in, in terrible shape regards to, like, first place or the playoffs. Because, remember, the streak that they got on, it, it at one point they were among the worst teams in the American League. Now, yeah. granted, it's not wise to panic always when, uh-huh. like, you know, Yankees are struggling in April. I mean, we've seen that every year. The Yankees yeah. will get off to slow starts. Now, granted, yeah, <laughs>
0: Say that again? With the exception of 2017 when they got off to a 21-9
1: well, Yeah, but I'm talking in general. Like, yeah. they'll get off to, like, rough starts, like, uh-huh. either at or near 500 or below 500. But I haven't really seen them get off to the start like that in, like, a while. Like, maybe the last time I can think of was 2005 or 2007. So, you know, Garrett Cole was is the one constant that we need in this rotation by far. And, like... You know, it helps now that, like, other starting pitchers are really starting to step up, too, and I think that's a big reason why the Yankees are on this streak. Not necess- not And I'm not saying it's just because of the schedule. I think it's important for the pitchers to, like, to step it up when need be. And speaking of one of those pitchers, game two, Jamison Tyon got his first win in two years. Obviously, he didn't go too long. He only went five innings, but he pitched well enough. Glaber got a big hit in that game. I think... It- Judge went three for five. Actually, he had three RBIs and he drove in three with a pair of RBI singles. Yankees would win six to four. And let's be real, taking that series against the Detroit Tigers is very important. This is one of the the weakest teams in the American League right now. And, and all think, baseball. yeah, absolutely. And I think the Yankees getting those clutch hits it's definitely helping.
0: Absolutely, and like I said. Getting that sweep of Detroit was was much needed. It really, I think, you know, started to gain. more. I think it got confidence in the lineup a little bit more, especially that ten run outburst in Game One. And I think I've walked, I've seen the team, you know, from really beginning from Friday, their at bats look a lot better, you know, compared to the you know what what they looked like in April. A lot of people are starting to look like they're taking a the more disciplined approach at the plate. And not trying to do too much, whereas you, as you saw a lot in April, everybody just kind of looked unsure and out of sync, and they were just you know flailing at almost anything that came their way. So I really think that that ten went ten nothing win on Friday on that Friday night was really a big 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 one for the Yankees. Even though, like you said, it was against the Tigers, they really needed something like that just to get just to get some things to get the wheels spinning. So. Yep, that was really good
1: to see. You know, it was another good game. Was Game Three? I yeah, think that was huge too. The that was a game where the Yankees couldn't really generate enough offense. Yep. In fact, mm-hmm. they only had two runs. I think it was the second inning. Yeah, uh-huh. Kyle Higashioka hitting the RBI single. By the way, that guy's been one of my new favorite players <laughs> the park. Well, Absolutely, I, I want to see him start to catch more. I, I think he's the better option than Gary Sanchez at this point. Yeah. And I'm I no, I'm not kidding. I really know. Oh, i know. know, I know. And, same boat. and I thought they were gonna break out with more runs. Gardner hit a ball that sounded off the bat like it was gonna be a home run. It was caught yeah. the ball, but at least it led to another run. So yeah. up for two-nothing Yankee lead right there. And you know, I'm thinking, okay, they're gonna break out with more runs, but that didn't really happen. And you know, I was a little nervous, I'll admit, considering who was on the mound that day for the for the Yankees, it was Corey Kluber. And, mm-hmm. well, don't get me wrong. He pitched well in his last start. I just didn't know if we could see this on a consistent basis, if you know what I mean. I think uh-huh. – but I think it was – he had one of the most important starts this season by far. He pitched eight innings, did not give up a run, and struck out ten. He outdued Jose Areña, who he looked pretty good, too, after that second inning. And most importantly – this was a win on all levels because you not only had Kluber pitching a good game and we saw what he can do too. Cause Corey Kluber is, is someone who I think can really do well in this rotation. Once he learns how to like pitch with lower velocity, so to speak and having him do well and, and there's no pressure on him either. Cause we know that Derek Cole is the true ace and I think he's definitely – I think his veteran presence in that rotation is something that's definitely good for the Yankees, too.
0: I mean, he can look a little bit as to what CeCe did towards the later part of his career. I mean, he can learn to be a little more of just a control pitcher. I mean – I, think, I mean, he's not, you know, in his prime, prime days, you know, anymore. But, you know, Kluber is a, you know, he's a veteran pitcher. He's got plenty of experience, and he's smart. He knows, you know, how to pitch. He knows how to pitch mm-hmm. you know, in, in key situations. So I definitely think having his knowledge and experience in that rotation is very vital for the Yankees to really, you know, for the rotation especially. You know, they can learn from him. And, you know, he can learn from, you know, guys like Cole and, you know, bring, you know, different, you know, aspects and knowledge and experiences from, you know, you know, you got Cole coming from Houston and, you know, Kluber, obviously, where he was a Cy Young Award winner during his days in Cleveland. So, yeah, I think it goes to show that he, even though he may not be, you know, as, you know, in his prime as he was when he was with the Indians, he definitely still has some baseball in the tank. And I definitely think that it was a good, I think it was a good um, decision to bring him over to New York. I definitely think that the Yankees could use a little more veteran experience because I think losing CC in the rotation last year definitely hurt, hurt the rotation in that, in that sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. I like the Kluber kind of is taking on the role of like the father figure of the yeah. rotation, so to speak. Yeah. And I definitely well, I don't know if you're necessarily going to see too many eight inning starts out of him. Mm. I think he's definitely a guy that can give you length down the road, and I think he'll definitely give you decent starts because we know what he's capable of. And oh, yeah. Tyon will do the same thing too. I mean, we've seen what he can do with the Pittsburgh Pirates in years past. I I like what he brings to the cable brings to the table. Obviously, so does Garrett Cole.
0: Mm. So Absolutely. And, um, you know, Cole and Tyon, you know, as we all know, were teammates during their days in Pittsburgh. That's so they right. all obviously are familiar with each other. And I think they both feed off one another. And I think that, you know, they're very encouraging. You know, I see it in the dugout, you know, the two of them, you know, communicate. And I know for a fact that the two of them are always, you know, looking for ways to, you know, be, to come up with innovative ways for their ourselves. Mm-hmm. So... There's a lot of talent in that rotation, there's no doubt. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to find that, you know, consistency. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, really, you know, and nowadays, obviously, you know, the Yankee, nowadays, you know, starters aren't going to go, you know, eight innings on a daily basis, obviously. It's a different game. But mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the bullpen obviously plays a big role. But, you know, as we saw in April, the Yankees taxed that bullpen a lot during the first few weeks of the mm-hmm. season. So it's, just, so it's important that, you know, the rotation – Really does you know as good a job as possible each and every time they take that mound, you know a lot is expected of them,
1: right, and I think Kim pitching eight innings was important because yeah. you only really had to use Chapman and you had the day off the next day and yeah. you know, speaking of that next day, here's the moment where I've really been waiting for i think I think this is the series that we've all been really waiting for without a doubt. Yankees coming into this game are playing the Houston Astros who. Let's put it this way. A lot has happened since that last matchup in the ALCS.
0: Yeah. In
1: between now and then, that's when the reports came out about the 2017 Astros cheating and using Steins over the course of a few years. And, you know, I'm still – I've mentioned on this show multiple times, I'm still relatively salty over that. I hate – I just hate the way the Astros, like, used all these – stupid tactics of using the scoreboard and banging on the trash cans to get the runs. Like I don't even wrong. I don't necessarily have a problem with sign stealing per se. Like it's been part of the game, but the way the Astros did it like was a little too overboard. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think, I think it was to an extent. I mean, I didn't drive myself super crazy over it to be honest. Yeah. No. Cause quite honestly, i I even though you know there was evidence that they you know did that mm-hmm. I still thought they were beatable I was I was more annoyed that we didn't beat them in the first place that's really what bothered me I was saying to myself man if you're so annoyed beat them I I because even in 2019 you know even though you know the Astros won 107 games even though they had a better record I thought the Yankees really had a I, I thought the Yankees had, were a better team honestly it's weird I I know some people would disagree with me I thought the 2019 Yankees you know had a better team than the 2019 Astros. And I know, like I said, some people may disagree, but I genuinely thought that I thought maybe they could really, you know, give them a run for their money. I just thought that the lack of, I just thought there was a lack of plate discipline, you know? Yeah, of- I,
1: I completely agree with that. I think the frustrating part, you're right. As much as I'd like, we'd like to complain about the Astros and all the ways that they tried to win and all their, and how we disagree with their tactics. Mm-hmm. I think the more important fact of the matter is the Yankees still had to find a way to beat them. Yeah. They couldn't do that. Uh Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Gary Sanchez and Giancarlo Santon and a lot of other hitters that series weren't flailing around at balls in the dirt. Oh, yeah. And this isn't just a a thing against the Astros. Like, I've seen them do that in many a series. Like, believe me, that bothers me
0: to this day. I, like, I remember Encarnación and when Encarnación was looking at third base every time he finished his swing. He was pull, trying to pull everything. It was very frustr. It was a very frustrating series, and that's that. That's gonna bother me for a while. Probably not. Probably will bother me till the day I die.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's one of those series that really will stick, and you know it is what it is. We're gonna let bygones be bygones, and I think yeah. the best way for the Yankees to get revenge was to do what they did on the field, and that was get a yep. win.
0: Back and. From-
1: Speaking of Stanton.
0: Wow. He's been been on another level. I mean, he's been hitting over 500, um, during the stretch how many he's on, including today where he hit another home run three games in a row where he's hit a home run. I think this is what 12 games. This is a 12 game hitting streak. Now I believe 12 game hitting streak. He's hit 500. He is what's really, really impressive. I, and this is the John Carlos stand that everybody was hoping for when he when he came to the Yankees. Obviously, uh, right. he ha- he's had problems with injuries, and um, you know he had a little inconsistency his first year. But you know this is, but he showed you know it's a lot in, in the postseason last year, and seeing this is really exciting. Because the guy, when he is on, he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and it's it's, it's really cool, and I've been enjoying every second of this.
1: You know, I feel like when Stanton is, hits home runs, they come in bunches. Like, mm-hmm. he's either going to have a stretch where he'll dominate and hit consecutive home runs multiple days and be absolutely lethal like he was when he was Marlon Stanton. Huh. But then when he's not, then he's just swinging and missing at so many balls.
0: Yeah, like, I, that is a
1: little annoying, but... it's it's There's no in-between with John Carlos Stanton, no?
0: <laughs> no, they're... No, they're it... Not really. I mean, because he has one of the he has one of the weirdest batting stances, probably in the history of baseball, if you ask me. <laughs> and his swing is kind of bizarre too. I mean, he just muscles balls all around the field, you know. And and that, unfortunately, when he when he um, you know strikes out, sometimes it makes it look it makes him look really bad. But when he but when he's on, it makes him look amazing. So that's why there's really no in between. You know, it's just his physique. It's just you know the kind of player he is. And yeah, I mean when he's on he's on when he's not <laughs> when he's
1: not he's not. Yeah, no. I I completely agree. I think I think that uh Stanton is definitely the key to can be a key to our offense especially when he's hitting. And I'll tell you this, in the first few games of the series, he did the namesake of the show. Hit for the cycle or oh, he almost did the name for the namesake for our show, hit for the cycle. Uh-huh. He had a single, a double, and a home run, obviously no triple. The triple is the hard part of the cycle, uh-huh. but in any event, it doesn't matter because the hits that he got were important. Like he got the game winning, he got a game winning double or single, I think in the first game.
0: Uh-huh.
1: No, I take that back. He hit a home run in the first yeah. game and then you had, it was a two run home run. You had Clint Frazier come up. Unfortunately he hit a double play, but at least he got a run out of it. Yeah. And then of course Houston would come back and tie it. But in the sixth inning, that was when the fun began. DJ had that bases loaded single. Of course there was an error too. Mm-hmm. You had the first two guys storing and then Rufnet O'Dor, oh boy, that collision yeah. was really that now look good. I, really I did thought it. he he had a worse injury than what he got. Like, wasn't it like a – what was his injury? It was like a, a knee. knee. Yeah, a sprained knee. I thought it was a lot worse because looking at the way he slid and it was ugly. It looked like he was like, looked like it was a torn ACL.
0: Yeah, it it was pretty bad. And the catcher for Houston Maldonado, I think his last name is. Mm -hmm. He took took a pretty big, that was a big collision right there. Hands. At first glance, it looked really bad. Then after looking at the replay a few times, I thought it was me. I thought I knew it was something with his knee. I didn't know if I thought maybe he twisted his ankle too at first, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, sprain knee, and he's on the ten day IL. And um, Ojdor well, has has been pretty solid. I think you know he's he's given I think some um some juice to the clubhouse with his personality
1: for sure. And sure. doesn't it look weird seeing him clean shaven, oh, considering no. how he was with it looks, Texas? It looks so weird. I mean, my hot take. I know not every Yankee fan will agree with me. I think they need to get rid of that beard policy.
0: Some guys look good with it. Some some guys look better with facial hair than um, guys who don't. Um, and Brunette's really do. uh, one of those guys that need that needs to have facial hair. I think he even told, he even said his his own daughter. I think is, is <laughs> cries when she sees him because she's so used to him with the beard. So.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's true. I think it's a it's a rule that needs to go because, like, let's put it this way: it's out of date. Like it was em- enforced by Steinbrenner. It was like a kind of a military style rule. Mm-hmm. This is usually baseball, it's not really military. Just let the let the guys grow it out. I don't really see what the big deal about it is. That's just my hot take. But yeah, in any event, the next game you had that three run eighth inning. I think Stanton had a pretty big RBI single in that one. Yep. Yankees. One the line. Mm-hmm. You want to know who the real MVP is that I don't really think gets talked about enough, to Besides Cole, is that? Earl Chapman.
0: Absolutely, he has been literally as near perfect as you can be as a closer. He has been dominant, and even though he has, even though he's um, 33 years old, I think this season. And you know, guys, you know are throwing you know as hard as he as he would sometimes, you know, back in his prime, I mean, I don't think they were going to reach like 106 miles an hour, but, right. you know, but people, you know, can generally easily reach hundred relievers can easily reach up to hundred miles an hour. You know, nowadays the fact that um, Chapman, you know, is still, you know, an imposing figure on the mound in the ninth inning, you know, that's that really speaks volume. And um, he really is. Been, he, he, Stanton and Cole have really been like the, the three key ingredients for the Yankees so far in the first uh, 31 games of this uh, 2021 season.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely agree. He has an ERA of zero. And, you know, the one thing that I feel like has always been a constant with the Yankees for better or for worse is the bullpen, too. Chad Green, for the most part, has been really good this season. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, today we know he had a bit of a meltdown,
0: It was due. Think, it was due to happen
1: at some. Point. I think we knew it was bound to happen. It just, yeah. it's just a shame that it had to happen against the Houston Astros of all teams. Yeah. Team.
0: Mm-hmm. Altuve got to celebrate his birthday a little bit today, unfortunately. So wasn't happy about that, but what are you gonna do?
1: What do you think of the crowd reaction out of all the three games? I mean, I know it was early May, but like it felt like playoffs all over again.
0: I mean the capacity, I mean the the um, stadium's only holding what 30 percent capacity right now. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. That really that that place was alive and oh man, it, it was fun to see. I mean, it really sounded like the old days at the uh, at the old stadium. You know when there was you know Griffey. I mean they gave uh, Altuve the Griffey uh, treatments. You know the fans out in uh, <laughs> the field, especially during the playoffs, they would you know say you know bleep you Griffey, you know loud and proud. And Altuve, uh, you know, got got a little taste of that. And, um, yeah, you know, welcome to New York.
1: It's amazing. Can you imagine what this whole series would have been had fans – been had the stadium been allowed to host fans in full capacity?
0: It would have been very, very intimidating, I think. It would have been – I think it would – the decibel level, I think the S yes Network probably would need to tone down the decibel level on the crowd. It would right. have been very psychotic.
1: and um between the three main guys on the astros or if i'm gonna i'm gonna call it the abcs of cheaters as michael k aptly put it Mm -hmm. tuve bregman and who do you think is the most hateable of those three guys out of curiosity
0: um i guess it depends really on um i'm gonna probably go um I'm, I think maybe Bregman. I think he has the biggest mouth of the three, maybe. Um, I, I mean, people might I, – Altuve, I know why he's targeted because, you know, back before, prior to, the, you know, the whole scandal coming out, he was one of the most respected players, you know, in the game for his, you know, talent. I mean, he's still a talented player. There's no doubt about it. But, um, but yeah, I'd say probably Bregman because he has a tendency to open his mouth sometimes and he loves looking at the camera. He loves to, you know, get in the face of the camera and celebrate when he hits a home run or something like that. So, I think he might be the most hated of the uh, ABCs. Personally, for me, I, 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 am no fan of of any of them because, I, for different, because you know they're on the Astros and they always want to, you know, beat the Yankees, obviously, and the whole scandal, obviously. But I wish I don't think the personalities are the worst thing. I think, you know, having some fire, you know, in in a player is, you know, is important. But at the same right. time, I can't stand, I, I just can't stand the Astros. So
1: For me, that's a really tough call. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I agree that Bregman is up there, I think Altuve is just as hateable as as Bregman. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna explain why. Recall the home run he hit off for oldest Chapman, the one where he got criticized for smiling and grinning after that. Well, we know now there was a little more to that smile than what was like a little nervous tick, like, oh, shoot, I just gave up the home run. I think the pro- the thing was Jose Altuve was was trying – I think we know that Jose Altuve was also trying to hide the buzzer or something – or he did he didn't want to celebrate something. Like
0: he didn't want to first, show something. There's no doubt about that. First
1: of all, that looked a little fishy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Second yeah. of all, for him to say to say that there was a, a bad tattoo that he had or hit his or some someone had did something weird to that area, like what? No. Like you can't tell like no. In the midst of a scandal, you're gonna come up with an excuse like that. I don't buy that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a little fishy. I, I I I don't know, you know, what was going on at that moment. I don't really know if anybody knew what, what he was hiding under there. Could have been a buzzer, but um,
1: you know, given yeah. their reputations, it wouldn't surprise me. And at the end of the day, I don't think it matters. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, I think the way he handled that whole incident and the way the whole all those batters really handled it, it's easy to see why they're so unlikable.
0: Yeah. They did not do a good job of handling the situation. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, it's a shame because even – it's a shame too. It really is. You know, I I, I liked Antube. I thought he was a good player. Yeah. I, I hated him as a Yankee fan because he killed us. But, um, but yeah. but a good story too. Yeah.
1: Because he, he was – he obviously was not one of the the biggest guys, like, on the field, like – a guy who's like short in stature, but he comes up and like makes a big plays. Generally speaking, I like hearing those underdog stories. But yeah. like when you have something like that come out, that's that's always a buzzkill. Yeah, it's a thing.
0: It really is. But and
1: know. I'll tell you another thing about the Astros. You know who I actually feel bad for on the Astros? There's really only one guy I, I actually can't legitimately feel bad for. Huh. Trying to think. Um, see a pitcher? No, he's not even a player.
0: It's not, oh Baker? Yeah. Yep.
1: Because Dusty Baker came in, the Astros pretty much had no choice but to hire him because yeah. Dusty Baker is a guy who was known to have one of the mo- more like chill personalities in the history of the game. Like that guy handled Bar- excuse me, the guy handled Barry Bonds for so long with the San Francisco Giants. I think that mm-hmm. tells you all you need to know about his personality and his character and what a good guy is. And from what I understand, he really is a great guy.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And he comes in, in the midst of total drama and chaos. And I think he had, he handled his interviews pretty well. No, like he pretty much says what he has to say. Like, granted i know people don't really like hearing him try to defend the astros but like i don't really think he has a choice i think he has to stick up with the him. manager
0: you can't you can't bash your, you your play exactly players you,
1: yeah so you certainly don't want to bash your new employer make a bad impression yeah. on your new boss that's that's true not just in baseball but in real life as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: yep i would say, i also feel bad for him because every week like he constantly has to be asked questions about about the whole scandal and about the team, and uh-huh. he wasn't even involved when that happened. No. Like he was like enjoying retirement. Like at he the Ma- Ma- no, he was in
0: Washington actually. He was well, Man- no, he
1: was in Washington. I'm talking yeah. about before. I'm talking about before 2020.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: No, he was in Washington where he he did all right with them, but unfortunately, he just his reputation of not winning in the postseason continued yeah. there and. Like, like I said, it's a real shame because like, while yes, he's not the best big game manager. Like he's still a guy who's very well respected within the baseball community. So I say he's the one guy that you really feel for in that situation. But otherwise, like the guys who are still there and granted, there really aren't too many guys from that 2017 that are still there. Like it's just Bregman, Altuve, Correa.
0: Yuli Gurriel.
1: Yes, Yuli Gurriel.
0: is still well, there he pitched today.
1: He was. Say that again. McCullers. Yes, Lance McCullers. Who? Fun fact: His father, Lance Senior, pitched for the Yankees in the late '80s and the early '90s, pretty the much, <laughs> pretty much during the George Steinbrenner reign of terror, as you like <laughs> to call it.
0: Yep, the dark days of the Yankees. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, that it was. Yeah, you still have him. I don't know if Verlander counts because he's not healthy, but if he does come back, he would.
0: Yeah, he's. I wonder if he is. If he is going to come back. I mean, I, think, cool. I don't think he'd want to end his career like that. I definitely think he's going to try and come back next year.
1: I don't really think so either because he's getting up there in years. I think he'll at least attempt to come back. But, unfortunately, as far as Verlander goes, I think that's it.
0: Yeah. And uh, even though I can't – yeah, I respect Verlander. You know, he is a good pitcher. I think he'll go to the Hall of Fame regardless, you know. Even oh, with, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even with the whole, you know – being on the Astros or whatnot, and um, he's a competitor, and I re- and I respect that about him.
1: Yeah, me too. I might not necessarily have liked seeing him pitch a lot during his time, but
0: hmm.
1: he was definitely great. And uh, going forward, what are your thoughts about the Yankees? we got a pretty big series coming up against the Washington Nationals. We have um, – I think we have the Orioles the weekend afterward. Who are we playing this week? I'm trying to – I'm having a brain the
0: Nationals. Hard. The Nationals are this weekend – Next yes. week the next week's a long and after this they got a long road trip. Begins with three in Tampa, then three in Baltimore, and then four in Texas.
1: Oh, Tampa, that's right. I forgot about that. That's that's huge. Tampa, we know has annihilated us so,
0: these past two years.
1: The Yankees need to win in Tampa. We the need Yankees. like they have lost seventeen of the last twenty two games there. Something's gotta give.
0: They gotta win the series. And,
1: and I, think I think if the Yankees exactly. have any shot at staying at or near first place the remainder of the season, you have to beat Tampa. Like, the, I don't care how good or how bad they may be, they're always going to be a thorn in our side. Always.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Regardless of whether they're at home or at that circus tent. <laughs> as I like yeah. to call
0: it. I hate, I hate Tropicana Fields. <laughs> I've never been there and I don't really have any plans on going there anytime soon.
1: And they got a four game series in Texas, which is as you know, very winnable, but mm. I think this, I think these next two series are a pretty big test for the Yankees going forward.
0: Definitely. You got to try and at least win this. You have to win the series against Tampa and get that monkey off your back. And because they have just, you know, been, like you said, they've been a thorn in the Yankees side for the past two years now. And they really, they really got to figure out the Rays pitching staff. It just owns the Yankees right now. They really have a hard time scoring against Tampa, whether it's at, tr- at the trap or it's at, or if it's at Yankee Stadium. They really struggle with the Rays pitching staff. So they better figure it out. And they play them 19 times a year. So you really need to. You, there's really no excuse for you not to figure it out at least once or twice. So yeah, hope they bring their A game that series.
1: Now, before I let you go and before I end the show, let's talk about the AL East as a whole. Like, So, obviously, I don't know about you. I think the Red Sox are still a team that can be pretty dangerous during the season. Now, does that mean I think they're going to win the division? Not necessarily, but that lineup is still pretty good. You still have Devers, Bogarts, and Verdugo is a pretty dangerous hitter, too. I think the Red Sox the Red Sox lineup's going to win them games. They're not going to – they don't have the mentality of a team that's going to fold, and I think having Alex Cora back, whether we like it or not, I yeah. think is a good hire for them. And I think they're still going to be in it at the very least until August and possibly September. Yeah, I think agree. they're a team that's going to, like, you know, compete for a wild card? Do you think they're going to be a legitimate threat down the road?
0: I think they can be. Um, I really think, and I think that the fact that they came into the season with minimal expectations, I think also helps them out because, and also they're only three years removed from a World Series title. Right. Yeah, so they, so they still got, and you know, they still got plenty of guys or they still have a good amount of guys from that team. So I really think that the Red, so- I think that the Red Sox will, you know, manage to stay competitive throughout the entire year. It wouldn't surprise me. And like you said, ha- Alex Carr, as much as I can't stand the guy, he is. I do think he's a good, I, I do think he's a good coach slash manager.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think the one team that really scares me more than the Red Sox, it's the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. They're pitching. It's pretty decent. You got a hundred really leading that staff, but not only that, you have a lineup that is loaded with Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, and they just got George Springer back. Now, Again, say what you want about him because we know he was on the Astros. He still had a good postseason in 2020, which what what I'd like to assume had no cheating involved. But I do think he generally is a good hitter. Like the the Blue Jays have a lineup approach that's much different from the Yankees. You know, the Yankees. The thing that bothers me about them, and I know you've probably told me the same thing over the years, they're an all or nothing home run team. Like, that can be good against teams like, say, the Detroit Tigers, the Baltimore Orioles of the world. But when it comes to, like, October, that doesn't help. The Blue Jays, on the other hand, they just spray the ball to all fields. They're not about that. They are more about getting the big hit when it matters. That that team scares me. Now, I don't know how they're going to be come postseason, but I think they'll be very interesting to watch for sure. And I think ultimately – the division is going to come down between us and the Jays, and we got a comment. Tom, how's it going? Good to good to see you checking in. Hello. You can always check out Tom on review and preview on Tuesday nights. So, yeah, I think the Yankees. I think it's going to be the Yankees and the Blue Jays going down to the final stretch of the season.
0: I mean, I think I think the Yanks, Blue Jays, Rays, Red Sox. I think any one of those four teams. You know, can stay in the hunt you Know for a majority of the season. I mean, each, each, all four of those teams, you know, have, you know, plenty of, you know, plenty of talent to, you know, make it interesting. And um, even though I don't think they'll compete this year, you know, look out for the Orioles soon. You know, they got some, they got some talent coming up. And uh, yeah. They got, yeah, look at guys like Cedric Mullins. What a season he's had so far. And
1: oh, he's been great. Yeah. He's, he's been great. I, Yeah. I think the Orioles, it, it may be a bit of time before they're a contender, but I like. I like what they're doing with their rebuild. And yeah, it, it's, I think the AL East is always, as always, is one of the more competitive vision. And like you said, you even have the Rays. The Rays are a team, they don't have nearly as good of a team as they had last year. They lost mm-hmm. some key pieces in their pitching rotation, but that's a lineup that, you know, it's not necessarily strong per se, but, you know, they'll steal some runs at any given moment. I think the Rays, there's a reason that team, like, annoys me every single year. Yeah.
0: Yep, exactly, and like you said about the Blue Jays, what the Yankees have a hard time pitching against pitching to the Blue Jays. There are a lot of guys in that lineup who just love to face the Yankees. Guys like Bulbachet, who absolutely kill, absolutely kills the Yankees. Randall Grichik absolutely kills them, um, and the catcher, uh, what, what what's his name? Um, the guy with the glasses and the um, the catcher that can't hit against anybody else, but hits like four hundred against the Yankees. Um,
1: I know who you're talking about. I'm, just...
0: blanking, on, I'm blanking on his name. Um,
1: I know who you're talking about I just can't see him see him in his face hold on let me look up the Toronto Blue Jays roster but yeah no that I feel like there's always that one guy with like with like the Yankees you know didn't they have they had a guy Travis Snyder who turned out to not be so great years ago and he always seemed to hit the Yankees pretty well you remember him
0: uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, like but it happens sometimes. There's always like one guy that just seems to hit well against us. And
1: sorry, what position did you say he was? He was the
0: catch. He's catcher.
1: Oh, Danny Jansen. Jansen, Jansen. That's the guy's name. Danny Jansen.
0: Jansen kills us.
1: Yeah, no, the Blue Jays. And hey, even when they were were like bad and mediocre, even before they had Joey Joey Bats, the Blue Jays were always one of those annoying pesky teams, kind of like what the Rays are now and what they've yeah. been. In the years in between 2013 and when they finally made it back into contention in 2019, so Mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. And Tui, before I let you go and before we sign off, is there anything else you want to say?
0: Um, I guess I'll wrap up with I hope that the Yankees, um, you know, I hope they win obviously this weekend, and um,
1: yeah, Yeah, I hope this too. Right, what's that? You've got a YouTube channel, by the way. I'm sorry I forgot to mention it. Oh,
0: oh, yeah, I, I do. I, but it, it's not, like, specifically centered on, like, one thing. It's a, it's a little spread out. but
1: Because um, yeah. I remember I remember back in school you would show that YouTube channel where you'd, like, talk about your travels. And I've seen a few Yankee game clips on that channel, too. It's pretty yeah.
0: cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I have a couple of um, baseball clips on there from games that I have attended in the past. Yeah, a lot of them are regular season games. I've been to one Yankee postseason game, and I have my reaction to the end of that game, which is pretty classic. So, yeah. I, um,
1: and, uh, how was Cooperstown, by the way?
0: It was awesome. That was so much fun. And the music, you know, I, I'm not one who's crazy about their baseball writers themselves. I really think a lot of them are full of themselves. Yeah. But um, the museum itself is amazing it's got it's it's all baseball you can't beat it it's it's such a cool place I loved it
1: yeah no I completely agree I think that's that's a rant I could probably do for another day but um let me ask again sorry before I interrupt (laughs) you because I just realized I wanted to like talk a little bit about your YouTube channel because I I thought that was good stuff too I Um, appreciate it but um again any last things about the Yankees before like I let you go and before we sign off
0: um yeah I think I think things are starting to click for the Yankees. I think you you've seen it a little bit. Hopefully they can keep this momentum going this weekend against the Nationals. And yeah, they like like we mentioned, they got a tough series they got a tough road trip coming up after this, beginning with Tampa, who've you know have really just dominated them for the past two years. So yeah, I hope the Yankees keep this momentum going, and yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: Awesome, too. Thanks for coming by and talking some Yankees with you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, so not even just talking Yankees, but just talking baseball oh, and yeah. getting a little bit of your insights and always fun doing a little Yankees trivia too on the side. <laughs> of
0: Absolutely. Hope to see you again soon at the stadium.
1: Sounds good, buddy.
0: All right. Take care. All right.
1: That was Ryan Toohey and always a pleasure talking baseball with him. Great to catch up about the Yankees. And um, that'll about wrap it up for our show. And before I sign off, let me once again, remind you, Give us a follow on all of our forms of social media at review and preview sports. And in addition, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, but until next week, this is Hank and Dichter. I will see you again for another episode of hitting for the cycle.